So as Christians, we all have the same mission and the same call. It's pretty clear in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. This is a scripture that we probably all know. To go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So as we're doing this series, the series has mostly been about leadership, right? Timothy, Titus, and First and Second Timothy and Titus are all called the pastoral letters because they speak to pastors, leaders, deacons, elders, apostles, prophets, teachers, all of those wonderful things. But it also very much speaks to us as Christians, right? There's no level. We like to put levels because that makes sense to our brain. This one's more important than this guy, and this guy's more important than this guy. But that's not true. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom is all of us are very much the same importance to him, to spreading his gospel, to our call. Not one of us has a more important call than the other. We are all called, and we are all called to share the gospel. And that's what we saw just now in Matthew. Um, so let's head to 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 16. This is right where we left off with Mark preaching on women's role in the church a couple weeks ago. Um, this is Paul writing a letter to Timothy, giving him encouragement, wisdom, instruction. Timothy is currently very active pastoring in a local church, and he's writing Timothy letters. He kind of equipped and brought Timothy up in the faith, who's one of the first converts of Paul, and now he's kind of given Paul instruction from afar through a letter. So verse 14, I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in human body and vindicated by the Spirit, which that word vindicated means to render just or innocent. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. So this is very important what he's telling Timothy here. He's saying, I want to come be with you, but if I don't, there's something very important I need to tell you. So if you read, it talks about how people must conduct themselves in the household of faith. Well, to me, if I'm asking my kids to conduct themselves, that's serious stuff. You know, there's, there's like something that I want to happen, right? Like, I want rooms clean. I want you to talk nicely to each other. I need teeth brushed, right? As parents, I don't know if you're like me, but that's, we got expectations, right? Well, that's what he's telling Paul, or Paul's telling Timothy. There are certain things that are important to the household of God you may conduct yourselves, but it's not like the rules that we would think they are. They are showing and displaying God's love, Christ, the truth of who he is. So the household of God is referred to uh, the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. The function of the church is to support and transmit to the world the truth that God has revealed. So without the church, without congregating here, without some sort of way to come together and learn and grow, we would all just be out and about at our jobs doing what we do. Would it be very easy to be sharpened? Would it be very easy to come together and learn? Would it be very easy... No, because we'd all be kind of isolated. But through the church, we get to come together, and that's what he's saying. There's a certain way that I want you to be brought up. I want you to be taught. I want the message of the gospel of Jesus to be very clear. And he lists these six things right, boom, 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 right down in order. So it's the mystery of godliness in verse 16. Is Christ, there are six things. The first one is that Jesus is God, manifest in the flesh. 
And we're not going to read these, but I'm just going to reference. That's found in John 1.14. Number two, he is justified in the spirit. Romans 4.25. He was seen of angels. Hebrews 1.6. The angels were there at the incarnation, his temptation, his agony, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. Isn't that cool? They witnessed all the major events of Jesus' life. Number four, he preached unto the Gentiles, Acts 13.47. And five and six, that he was believed on in the world and he was received up into glory, Acts 1.9. So this is the truth of the gospel. If people say, what does that, like my kids have asked me, what does that mean, the gospel? It's those six things. It's the gospel of Jesus, how he came as a baby. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for our sins so that we could be made whole. Three days later, he arose and he was alive and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Right? We make it really hard, like there's all these things that we have to tell people. That's the basis, that's the core, that is the center of everything we are motivated by, everything that we do is based on that truth. Right? That's the gospel, that's it. And of course there's a million other things that are attached to that that we love and that we share and that are good. But that is the core of what we believe. Do you remember the song, Lord, I Lift Your Name on High? Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. Well, it goes through the whole gospel. And that, as a kid, that's how I remember, or as a young adult, that's how I remember. He came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my dead to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. So there's a reason that songs like that are made because that is what it's about, right? When we go and share the gospel with people, we share that God is love. We share that he heals you. If they're hurting and they need healing, we share healing. But the basis and the core of everything we do, everything we're motivated by, is what? This message, right? Through his death and resurrection comes our salvation. All right, so I have a little, um, it's about a paragraph, so I need you to hang with me. But it's out of my Spirit-Filled Life Bible, which, by the way, is a really good Bible. If you ever need a new Bible, I highly recommend it. Um, it and he titles it Growth and Conduct. So I'm just going to read through this. Hang with me. Many believers assume that the more we grow spiritually, the better we look to others. The truth is more when we grow in Christ, the better God looks to others. Paul speaks of the mystery of godliness as a series of truths about the Savior, which is the ones that we just talked about, those six things. In the same spirit, John the Baptist concisely said, Christ must increase and I must decrease in John 30, or sorry, John 3.30. Simply stated, the truth of whom John is must issue ultimately in the truth about who Jesus is. So you think about our identity and who we are. Who am I as Kara? That doesn't really matter because it really is about who Jesus is, right? So my reflection, I don't want you to see Kara. I don't want you to think that, you know, I do this or I don't do that or whatever. That's not the image that I want to portray. I'm just Kara. I want to portray Jesus. When you know me, I hope that you say something like, she loves Jesus. She's all about God. She reflects his glory. She can't stop talking about him. Something like that. That's what I want you to know. And that's what I want you to remember about me. Uh, Practical personal godliness might be called truth on display. Jesus being the truth. So practical godliness. You think about godliness. That's overwhelming, isn't it? To think 
you're so godly, or I want to be godly. That's like, ah, what's that look like? I'll never, I'll never achieve that. That's like huge, right? But having godliness is just that display of truth, that display of Jesus in our life. That's achievable because it's him. We don't have to do anything. We don't have anything to offer anyway, right? It's all about him. The Father's goal for our lives is to grow us up to be like his son, to conform us into Christ's image. That's the Father's heart. The Father's heart for us is to grow us up to look like his son, Jesus. My heart for my kids is to grow them up so they look like Jesus, not so they're a harper, not so Acacia's, you know, an awesome student, or I'm trying to mold them into these soccer stars or whatever it is that they like to do. I'm trying to raise them up into godliness so that they reflect Jesus, so that they display Jesus. As our lives tell the truth about God, people who do not know him will be drawn to faith as they see what he is really like. When we are truly in love with Jesus, we don't have to convince anybody. Have you ever been tried, people tried to convince you about something? It's exhausting, isn't it? You're like, ah, oh, leave me alone. And they're like, but wait, but wait, let me tell you more. And you're like, like the people at the door, you're like, I don't want it, I'm not interested. But if we're displaying Christ, we don't have to convince them of anything, right? They see him and they're like, yeah, that's truth. That's, I want that. Godliness is conduct consistent with the character of Christ. So I love those that old, like, what would Jesus do? Remember all the armbands and all the cool, like, kid stuff? WW, you know, what would Jesus do? It's so true, though. Our conduct, godliness is our conduct with the character of Christ. Does our conduct, does our life, the things we do, the things we think, the things we believe in, the things we're motivated by, are they consistent with Christ? Growing in our relationship with God is becoming more and more like Christ every day, every season. We hit hard seasons. We hit easy seasons. We hit exhausting seasons. We hit seasons that seem like they're never going to end, right? We hit seasons that we love and we're like, I hope it doesn't change. This is so awesome. Like when you're in love, you know, you have those seasons that you just, oh, I hope this never ends. But we have all these seasons, but our lives should stay the same with the Lord. We should be constantly growing, but yet sturdy and steady with the Lord, right? We shouldn't be, as the Bible talks about, being tossed with every wave and wind that comes by. We're plugging away. We're loving Jesus every day, reflecting his glory. It doesn't matter. Like, Paul was in jail, and he's like, you know, it is what it is. If I'm here, if I'm there, God is good. It's him that I serve. Don't worry about me, right? All right, so the godliness with truth on display, John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. This is a key scripture probably across all time, but I definitely sense in this day and age this is a key, key scripture. There are so many churches, so many denominations, so many beliefs that are like, no, God, oh, God, he's wonderful. And they talk about him like everybody can accept God. He's nice. He's wonderful. He does all these great things so that everybody will accept God, right? There is one way. And people might say, you're narrow-minded. 
You know, that's not being diverse enough, but it's the truth. And if they get to know Jesus, they will be like, yeah, he's the way. So let's stand on the scripture. Let's stand on the truth. Our display isn't that God is this great, faraway, lofty God that's about everybody. It's about the fact that Jesus died on the cross so that we can have fellowship with our Father. Uh, the Father's goal for our lives is to grow us up to be like his son, Romans 8:29. For he knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. He knew us in advance. And his whole goal is for us to be like his son. You know when God's like pressing you or teaching you something or he's putting his finger on something and you're like, I don't like that. Does he do that to you? Because he does that to me and I'm like, oh, Lord, really? you got to deal with that now? Like, oh, could you wait till September? But it's because he wants us to look like Jesus. He wants us to look like his son. We are important enough that he's like, let me just touch on this. I want to heal you of that hurt. I want you to do this. If I could just, if you could just look over here, I have great things for you. And it's uncomfortable. But that's okay, because we want to look like Jesus. Godliness is conduct consistent with the character of Christ. This is one of my favorite scriptures, too. Galatians 5, through 24, but the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You think about Jesus, those are definitely characteristics of Jesus. Right? Everything he did was motivated by love. He was gentle. He was peaceful. He was kind. He was patient. He definitely showed self-control. Right? Those are the things, when you talk about conduct, our lives, what we do, they should reflect these fruits of the Spirit. Growing in our relationship with God is becoming more and more like Christ. Ephesians 2.10 for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He pl- has plans for us. Isn't that wonderful? I'm a planner. Boy, I'm a planner. I'm a stinking planner. And when, when my plans get messed up, it like jars me for a second. But to know that God planned everything for me a long time ago, I don't know about you, but that ah, that brings me peace. Like, yeah. He's got it. I don't have to figure it out. He's already planned it. All right, let's jump over to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 through 12. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display, there's that word again, use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Aren't those beautiful scriptures? I love this. There are three action words that I see that stand out blaringly in this passage. The first one is telling. Telling about the endless treasures available to us. Telling. We have to tell. If we don't tell... 
Didn't somebody tell us? Somebody told us of the unmeasurable love, the endless treasures of God, right? And then we we came to know the truth. So how is everybody else going to know unless we tell them? And I love these scriptures because this isn't talking to a specific group of people. Okay, only the leaders, only the older women, only, you know, men who have been schooled for eight years or whatever. It's for everybody. Every single Christian, if you believe in him, we have action words. We have to go tell everybody about the endless treasures. The next one is in verse 9, to explain to explain to everyone the eternal plan. If you've never heard the gospel, you might have to think about it for a minute, right? Anytime you have new information, our brains have to process, okay, what are you saying? What are you talking about? What does that mean? We need to explain why. Why was God motivated to send his son to die? Why would he do that? Right? We have to explain the gospel. And the last one is in verse 12. Come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Because of Jesus, each one of us can go into the Holy of Holies. I still, there's times I'm sitting in his presence, or the other day I was playing the piano. I was telling James about this. I was playing the piano. And not that my house was crazy. It was just morning, and kids were brushing their teeth, and some kids were getting cereal. You know, just a normal morning. And I thought, you know, I'm going to play the piano for a while. So I sat down and started playing. Next thing I know, I'm singing love songs to the Lord, and I'm not watching my fingers, which is really impressive for me, and I'm singing, and I'm lost in the Lord. And then I just stopped, and my kids were like, it was like angels. Like my house was saturated with the presence of God. Cadence goes by. She's like, hi, Mom. Good morning. I'm like, good morning, honey. And it sounds silly, but the presence of God is tangible. And it wasn't my keyboard. You've seen me play. It wasn't that. It wasn't my voice. It wasn't anything I mustered up. It wasn't because I did a certain, you know, procedure or anything. It's because he wanted to love on me. Because we can go boldly into his throne room. Whether you got a CD playing, whether you're just praying, whether you're quiet before him, whether there's times when my kids were little and they'd be screaming, and I'd be like, that's all right. I'm with Jesus right now. And I would just keep praying or doing whatever I was doing. I'm like, they're fine. I'm fine. Right? The Holy Spirit is everywhere that we go, but we can't take that for granted. We can go boldly, and that's part of what he's talking about here. As we share, if we don't go into his presence, it's not fresh. It might still be in our heart. It might still be truth. But, right, this is where our connection is. It's like that waterfall. And then we have something to offer, that fresh bread, that fresh drink. You know, those are when the prophetic starts flowing, and you're like, gosh, Kelly, God's telling me this and this. And did this happen to you yesterday? And she's like, oh, my gosh, because it's fresh. I've spent time with him. I'm hearing him. That channel is wide open, right? All right, the next uh, scripture we're going to read is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. By the way, I had almost the whole chapter. And my husband gave me good advice because I told him I had like 25 scriptures. And he's like, don't do it. Don't do it, Kara. Don't do it. So I cut a lot of it out. So you can go back and read 1 Peter. Uh, So chapter 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, 
pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Gosh, the promises of God are awesome. And I love the scripture, verse 3. Now we live with great expectation. How many people do we know, or how many times have we even lived in our own life, the mundane. We get up, we eat breakfast, we go to work. We come home, we feed the kids, we go to work. We get up, we eat breakfast, we go to work. Is it Monday? Is it Tuesday? It doesn't really matter. It's just my life, right? We know people like that, and we've all done that from time to time. That's not living this life with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. If we have a priceless inheritance, and we're supposed to live with great expectation, what are we doing? Are we living like that? Do people see that? Do people go, wow, what do you have? You conduct yourself so differently. And I'm not saying that life isn't hard or that we just get up singing with the birds. But we got to live like we have something to share. Right? Our life should be a display of him, of his glory, of who he is. Our life is an open book. I realized when I was... Mark was like, okay, you got to stay with the series because I like to just do what God puts on my heart. And he's like, no, babe, you got to stick with the series. And I'm like, okay, I'm sticking with the series. And so I found the next scriptures that we were on, and I was like, ooh, I can preach that. That's awesome. And when I was reading through my notes and God was, you know, speaking to me, I thought there was this service that we had at our house when we first started the church. And my title of that night was The Gallery of My Life. The Gallery of Our Life. And it was the same kind of message. What if, we, if this was filled and this was a gallery of my life and there were pictures on the wall of my life, what would they look like? Would they be of me being selfish and me tending to myself and me just sitting at work? And, or would there be some pictures that people got saved or I ministered or I showed somebody love? Or when somebody was hurting, did I wrap my arms around them? What, what are those pictures in our life? That gallery, if there was a gallery, would you like lock it up and be like, don't go in there, there's nothing to see here, nothing to see here. Or would you be opening the doors, go, there's nothing to see here, it's all Jesus. Jesus, 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 yep. Well, that was me. Jesus, you know what I mean? Would they be displaying us and our life? Or would they be displaying Jesus through our life? Does that make a difference? Yeah, our display. All right, let's turn to Philippians. This is possibly my last scripture. Philippians 1, verse 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. And that word citizens of heaven. Citizens means your manner, your conversation, your life. So you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come to see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. So here Paul brings up a good point when he says, Then whether I come or see you, come and see you or I just hear about you, I will know. How will he know if they are conducting themselves? Because it says they need to conduct themselves worthy of the good news of Christ. Worthy of his good news. I was watching a video clip of um, 
of this guy interviewing people on the street. What do you think of Christians? Who are Christians? What do Christians do? And I had to turn it off. I was very sad. It was like, well, they're just like everybody else. They have a religion. I think they believe in God. And um, I think they're nice. The one Christian I knew was pretty nice. You know, it was just very not Christian. They don't know who we are. Why don't they know? Each one of us has to show them. You know, and if we can put it this way, at Marie's job, if Marie is not displaying Christ, there may not be anybody else at her work who's Christian. Or maybe they are and they're, they're shy or they're like, eh, I'm just at work, whatever. So she's it, right? At that little place wherever she works. And Mike, at his job, working on cars, what if he's the only one there? What if Jen in her neighborhood? You get the point. We have to display Christ. We can't rely on, I hope everybody else does it because I'm just doing my thing. And we all need to be a display because that's how people come into the knowledge of Christ, right? Is if we show them, if we tell them, if we share with them. They're all action words. We've got to get busy, right? We've got a lot of work to do. Um, so another point he brings out here is that he doesn't want them to be dependent on if he's there or not. All right, if I show up, you guys are going to conduct yourselves with godliness, right? Because Paul's here, tidy up. You know, the pastor's in town. Everybody act like you know what you're doing. Behave. Act godly. He's saying whether I'm there or not, conduct yourselves. It's not about our environment. It's not about who's there, who's not there. It's not about, well, when I'm in public, I look really nice and I'm very friendly and I look very nice and Christian, but at home, I'm kind of a bear. And what do our kids say? If our kids, you know, they should see Jesus at home too, not just when we're in public. Like, it should be the same, right? It should be the same at work. It should be the same at school. It should be the same at home. We should always be displaying, not that we're perfect, but you get my point, that that consistency of him being in the center should motivate us, and that should be the driving force in every situation, right? So what is our conduct? What is our fruit? What is the way that we show Jesus? We're all different, and I love that about humanity, about the church. There's different flavors. There's different personalities. He wants to use the quiet ones. He wants to use the loud ones. He wants to use the ones who are afraid And he wants to use the ones who go out there and make a mess of things, (laughs) right? He wants to use us all. But our conduct isn't a bunch of rules and regulations. You have to pray this amount of time. You have to, you know, do these amount of things. If you don't read your Bible every night before bed, those things are great, but they're not, this isn't a religion. This isn't rules. This is Christ. This is freedom. This is about a love relationship. Mark and I are always talking about how can we help facilitate our kids falling in love with Jesus? How, how do we help cultivate that? Because if I just teach them rules, I have failed them. They're going to go into the world and they're going to fail because the core of it all is Jesus and our relationship and our love for him. It's motivating. It's at the center If we are truly calling ourselves Christians, we've got to be displaying Jesus. Or else you can call yourself religious. Right? Christian means that we are following Christ.
Christ. So if that's the title that we're carrying, that's what we should be displaying. Right? I think our culture, especially here, everyone says they're Christian. A lot of people, right? I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Keisha came home from middle school. She transferred to a big middle school this last year. And she's like, oh, so-and-so's Christian mom, and so-and-so's Christian. I'm so happy I'm meeting some friends. And about three weeks later, she came home, and she said, Mom, you know how I said that one girl was Christian? I'm like, yeah. She goes, well, she's not Christian like we're Christian. (laughs) But she saw that people just flippantly say, I'm a Christian. But they have no idea that that means they are a follower of Christ. There was no life in that girl. There was no relationship. It was just a word. So what do we look like? What do do our lives look like? Do we resemble the Father when people see us? Are we always tired? Are we always busy? Do we always portray all of these other things? And not that we don't love the Lord. But there's some seasons in my life where I'm like, Jesus is in here, I promise. But what you see out here is very different. I'm exhausted. Or you know how you just portray what you're going through? You portray what you're feeling. Maybe you're in a tough time. Maybe you're in a happy time. But let's be very careful to portray the one that we love. And I guess that brings up a good question. Are we in love? Are we in love? Or is it kind of like, hey dude, he's cool. I don't know if I love him, but he's cool. He takes care of me. But are we in love with him? Are we falling in love with him every day? And if we're not, it's so easy. You simply say, Jesus, I want to fall in love with you. Show me who you are. And before you know it, you'll be falling in love all over again. Tonight when I was leaving my house, I said, Lord, I don't have anything to give. I don't have anything to share. I'm Kara. I have thoughts and opinions, but I don't I don't have anything for these people. And then I got a smile on my heart and on my face. Ding ding, that's what it's all about. I don't have anything to give. It's all about him. And then I was happy again. I'm like, yes, I do have something to give, not out of my own knowledge, not out of my own awesomeness, not out of my own self. I don't have anything to offer in that in that aspect. But what I do have to offer is Jesus, falling in love with him. So let's all stand to our feet. I just want to pray over us tonight. That's another action word, falling. When you're married, you should be falling in love over and over again. There's times I watch Mark and I'm like, wow, I never knew that about you. And then all of a sudden I fall in love with him again. I'm like, that's really cool. That's how it is with the Lord. But even more so, we should be falling in love with him. We can't fathom God, right? We, we learn him and we love him and there's things that we know about him and we know about his word. And just when we think we know him, he's like, oh, yeah, what about this? Did you know me as as your refuge? Did you know me as your defender? Did you know me as your lover? You're like, oh, that's awesome, God. And then we go into the season where he's showing you a different aspect. 
And then you're like, yeah, I, I, I know God. And he's like, oh, yeah, did you know this? Did you know that my love never changes? And then you fall in love again because you're like, oh, I didn't know that, God. That's so good. So that's my prayer for us tonight is that we fall in love with him, if not daily, hourly. Every season that we face, every trial, everything, we should be falling in love because he is worthy. He is so good. He will never fail us. He will never leave us. Right?